Welcome to the Balanced Black Girl Podcast. We're putting black girl magic in motion. This show is dedicated to reinventing wellness for women of color. I'm your host, Lestrandra Alfred. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome to the Balanced Black Girl Podcast. If you are returning, welcome back. Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of the Balanced Black Girl Podcast. I am so, so happy you're here. I don't know about you, but it feels like 2019 is just charging full speed ahead. January is absolutely flying by. I feel like it's been a really eventful year already, just in our society, for me personally. Just so many things are happening, and this year is playing no games. And, you know, we're just going to keep on keep on moving forward. A couple of community announcements before we jump into today's interview is that this upcoming Sunday, January 27th, we will be having our very first Balanced Black Girl meetup here in Seattle, which I am so excited for. So it's going to be a book club meetup for our December-January book club pick, which was Becoming by Michelle Obama. But everyone is welcome, even if you haven't read the book. We're going to talk a little bit about the book, but we're going to talk more about kind of the idea of growth and becoming and what we are all becoming. So even if you haven't read the book, I still highly, highly encourage you to come. We're partnering with Seattle Cider and Sound Seltzer for the event, and it's going to be at the Woods Tasting Room. It's going to be so much fun, just a really fun afternoon of community, of connection. We're going to have snacks. We're going to have bites. We're going to have some prizes for people who come. And I'm just so excited to see so many of you in real life. So if you're interested in attending, check out the show notes. We have the registration page there. I would love to see you IRL and make this community like a real thing offline because in real life connections are where it's at. So January 27th, if you're in Seattle, I would love to see you there for our very first Balanced Black Girl meetup. Also, if you haven't listened to last week's Feel Good Friday episode, I highly encourage you to take a listen. It's super short, but we talk about steps we're taking to getting financially fit. So if you follow me on Instagram, or if you've maybe listened to some previous episodes where I talked about kind of my goals for 2019, financial fitness is really at the top of that list. I think it's something that is super important to talk about, especially for women. We tend to feel a bit more uncomfortable talking about money, especially as women of color. You know, we don't have necessarily access to some of the same generational financial resources that our counterparts do. And it is super, super important that we really take control of that, that we take control of our financial wellness and our financial narratives like let's make 2019 our year to really get it right all the way up okay so if you haven't listened to last week's feel good friday episode about getting financially fit i highly highly encourage you to check it out because we're making some serious serious moves this year So jumping into today's interview episode, I am speaking with Lindsay Page, who is the founder of Radically Fit Oakland, and you will learn all about her, all about Radically Fit in the interview of this episode. But I just have to say, you know, I have loved every interview that I've done on this show. All of the women that I've met that I've connected with have all been incredible in their own way. 
And this conversation with our guest today just woke me up in ways that I didn't even know that I needed to be woken up. And I think that diversity and intersectionality looks so different and there are so many different facets to it that even for me as a part of a marginalized group, you know, I still have so much more to learn when it comes to other people's experiences. And I really, really loved this conversation. I'm so excited to be sharing it with you all because I think we had an incredible discussion. I think this episode will provide a lot of good discussion and I'm really excited to discuss it with you after you listen. So if you haven't yet joined our Facebook group, make sure you join the Balanced Black Girl Podcast Facebook community so that we we can discuss this episode afterwards, after you listen to it, because there's so many good nuggets of thinking points and just things to consider when it comes to fitness and what diversity and fitness really looks like and safe spaces for fitness and how important that is. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Welcome back to the Balanced Black Girl podcast. Today, I'm joined by Lindsay Page. Lindsay is the founder of Radically Fit Oakland, the Bay Area's potty positive community gym for all queer, trans, POC, big bodied, and fat identified folks and their allies, regardless of experience or ability. After spending years as a trainer in the Bay Area and witnessing how oppressive to non-white cis bodies the fitness industry can be, she wanted to make a change and so began Radically Fit. Lindsay, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to have you on the show. When I learned about Radically Fit, when I learned about your mission, I was like, yes, that's exactly what the show is about. And I'm just, I'm so excited to chat with you about it. Yeah. Thanks so much. I'm, I'm really excited to, to have this conversation. Yeah. So first off, I love talking to other fitness professionals about their fitness journeys and how they came to the fitness and wellness space. Cause I think we've all kind of gotten here from all different directions. So can you tell us how you got into fitness and how your fitness journey began? Totally. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So when I was a freshman in college, I had uh, one of my best friends died and it really took a pretty intense emotional and mental toll on me as well as physical. And um, I ended up dropping out of college and moving back home. And I just felt really terrible for a substantial amount of time. And I tried, um, I went to therapy, which is fantastic. And then I also started working out um, really consistently and I kind of fell just fell into the gym and the gym was my, my, my safe space. It's where I got out all of my kind of extra emotional um, baggage, I guess. And I fell in love with fitness as a tool to help me through um, stress. And that went on for like probably five years. And then after that, I realized that, like I really liked fitness and could maybe see myself getting into it as a career, but wasn't sure. And then when I turned 25, I kind of was in this space where I was not happy with what the job that I was doing. I was working at a nonprofit, which I loved the nonprofit, but the admin side of what I was doing wasn't really appealing to me. And I knew I wasn't going to make a career out of it. So I decided to just say like I'm just gonna take this risk and, and I quit my job and ended up um, getting certified and leaving the South Bay and moving to Oakland 
and getting my first training job in Oakland. And from there, that's kind of where it all began. Wow. Um, I, I, that's such a powerful story and I'm so sorry that it, you know, kind of started from such a tragic circumstance. Um, but I, I love that you were just so open about kind of your healing process and, you know, fitness is a part of it. Therapy is a part of it. Mm -hmm. I appreciate your, your openness. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think the, the fitness side of things surprised me. And I think that's a huge part of like what I, I've been doing and, and continue to do with clients is that like people don't really understand how substantial moving your body can be in healing emotionally. And, mm-hmm. and of course there's no cure all fix all. And there are so many aspects to healing, but if you add that physical component, it really I mean, it changed my life completely and I've seen it change other people's lives in a really positive way. And it has just like helped insurmountably for like so many different people. So yeah, it's it's a really wonderful thing to to be able to share with people. Yeah, absolutely. I could not agree more. And I know when I started this podcast, it was partially inspired by some of my personal experiences of either feeling out of place in fitness and wellness spaces, feeling different from the other people there. Um, I would love to hear maybe if you've had some of your personal experiences where you felt maybe out of place in the mainstream fitness and wellness space. And if so, what were those experiences like for you? Yeah. um, I definitely will say that I've had kind of both sides of the coin. So being uh, being a client in fitness and then also being a trainer in fitness. I've had both experiences that have felt at times to be ostracizing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I, I'm, I'm a, a, a woman of color and I grew up um, with white people. I was adopted. So my body was constantly under scrutiny in terms of like why it looked different than than my families and like just a lot of uh underhanded remarks and feelings that came from that and and being in sports I played sports my whole life growing up um but probably kind of always feeling like I was really strong but people didn't necessarily think that I looked fit and that has been going on for me since I was a little kid um, you know, people will always say like, oh yeah, Lindsay's like, yeah, she's super strong, but they would never be like, oh, she's super fast or, oh, she's overall like a great athlete. And that I know was just because of how my body looked. And, um, when I became a personal trainer, I had lost a significant amount of weight and, uh, I could tell that people were far more likely to receive what I had to say with an open mind than when I was not as thin, which was also a really frustrating uh, kind of parallel for me. And then um, when I, and the reason I was so thin was because I had uh, honestly a little bit of an unhealthy relationship with exercise and food for a significant part of my life. But Mm. when my body kind of rebuilt itself and it was just at its like natural body state, I definitely felt that the people I would train, especially in white heteronormative cis spaces, 
would not take what I had to say as openly anymore now that I wasn't thin. Um, and that was super frustrating for me because I've been doing what I've been doing for almost six years. I know what I'm doing and I do it really well. I've had a lot of success in this field and to be completely judged on how my body is perceived from other people is extremely frustrating. And like, also there are so many layers to that as being a queer person, being a woman of color, growing up in an extremely white area, having only really white friends and white family. Like there's definitely layers to that, but outside of all of that, it also really came down to just, just solely the fact that I didn't have a body that the fitness industry w showed that, that, you know, like you don't see this type of body excelling in the fitness industry. Mm -hmm. And so that has been something that I've had to kind of struggle with and find peace with within myself for years. Um, and that's been a journey on its own for sure. Yeah, I bet. And I think what really struck me ab about what you just said, one, just about kind of the BS image that we're told of what a quote unquote fit body looks like. But two, that when you were in a place that was probably unhealthy compared to your kind of normal balanced, your body being at its natural set point, that people would take what you had to say more seriously, even though you're in a less healthy space than when you are at your natural size. Totally. Yeah. And yeah. And it just goes to show that it's completely based on, on a, on a, a random idea. <clears throat> well, it's not random. I mean, white supremacy, but <laughs> on an idea <laughs> of what everybody's body should look like versus knowing anything about what this person can do mm -hmm. uh, physically and also what this person could do for you. And I think yeah. that was, that was a huge kind of wake up call for me. Yeah, absolutely. So that leads in perfectly to my next question um, about Radically Fit and, and how you created Radically Fit, um, really wanting to serve people of abilities and backgrounds that aren't traditionally served in the mainstream wellness community. So I would love to hear how you started Radically Fit and, and what that process has been like for you. Totally. Yeah, this has been a pretty... Uh, fast process in terms of like getting it off the ground um but it's been an intense process as well as I think almost any small business owner will tell you um so like I think over a year ago um almost maybe my, my track time track is off but um I was hired as um a personal trainer at Bion Roots which is currently and was at the time a queer wellness center for massage and um, acupuncture mm -hmm. and the owner and I had been friends I had trained the owner years ago at another gym and they wanted to um, add a fitness component so I came on as the as um, the main personal trainer and then I also moved into the job of being a fitness director so essentially I was running the program and um, we were serving the cutie pop community, which is great, and we are growing. And then um, it, it, what seemed to be the best thing moving forward was that um, Bion Roots was going to continue on as just a wellness center 
doing massage and acupuncture. Mm -hmm. So I ended up buying out that fitness portion and starting Radically Fit and expanding it and then finding our own space that would have, that is just for the, the gym and um, kind of being able to grow that side way, way more um, mm -hmm. and, and letting it kind of step into what I've always wanted it to be, which is a gym to serve um, the Cutie Pop community and be able to like offer really specialized classes here. Yeah, absolutely. And I, when I was researching for this episode, was looking at what your class offerings were, which are incredible. The classes such as the BBQ, Thank Black you. and Brown Queers, the Strength and Conditioning class, the yeah. Trans DNC Mind Body Alignment. Um, I just, I love that that you're taking that approach to really serve people whose health and well-being matters just as much as anyone else's, but aren't usually reached, aren't usually accounted for. Totally. So what is your approach when it comes to creating classes for, for these communities? And how does that differ from kind of the cookie cutter fitness content we may see every day? Yeah, definitely. There's a couple things. Um, number one, and I think that this goes for every single thing we offer at this gym, and it is the foundation of the mission of the gym, um, is that we do, we are truly body positive and fat positive. Um, that, in, in essence, is going to change the dynamic of a gym just in general, because mm -hmm. we are not, we're not making workouts um, tailored to quote-unquote losing weight or quote-unquote burning fat. We're making workouts for our clients that are specific to empowering our clients, and it's a completely different approach. Um, when I make a workout, I've been doing this for over, like I said, you know, almost six years, and when I make a workout, I'm thinking about how to build strength in my clients um, and how to make them feel that they have just done something amazing with their bodies. And that's, those are kind of the things that run through my mind when I create a workout. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that in itself is, is hugely and vastly different from what most gyms present um, to their clients. And then in terms of like the specific classes, um, really it comes down to being mindful of who, even within our queer community, who in our queer community is the most marginalized. Um, the queer community has so many amazing spaces out in the world, and yet we still, and I say we as the overarching like group of people, we still tend to overlook people of color, um, fat people, bigger bodied people, uh, people with chronic illness, so these kinds of things are the things that we look at here at Radically Fit and think, okay, sure, we have generalized classes for everybody. This is a safe space for the queer community, but how can we really center the needs of people of color or, or fat and bigger bodied folks? Like what can we do to create safer spaces for them within the entirety of the gym? And that's how we came up with the BBQ class um, and the trans and GNC class, um, which also one of my trainers came up with Emmett, who is a fantastic trainer here. Um, they're wonderful and they came up with that idea because they're trans and they identify and see this need within our community. Um, and then we also just added fat yoga 
and um, PHAT. <laughs> and <laughs> that is a class specifically for fat and bigger bodied identified um, folks. And that, you know, I think is going to be amazing. I know so many people that I've talked to over the years that love the idea of going to yoga, but would never feel comfortable in an in a, in a yoga space where there was a white skinny woman teaching. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, that also has a lot of layers, but just in terms of body type, like that's huge. And we're able to offer that and have that taught by somebody that they can see reflected in them. And that's, you know, a huge thing with also with our classes. Like when people walk at the gym, we want them to see representation of themselves and we're able to offer that. And we're only growing that ability to be able to, to have for people. Absolutely. I mean, there's so much in what you just said that I loved and could not agree with more. I mean, first off, just the idea that exercise needs to be something that either helps people lose weight or burn fat. And the fact that that is kind of what everyone is sold all the time is just I mean, I know I'm sick of it. I think a lot of people are just yeah. sick of it. And it's it's not necessary to get people interested and engaged in movement. It's really not. And if anything, I think it probably deters people. It does. Oh yeah. No, I mean, it's, and it's so interesting. Like I've worked in a few gyms before and this space. And in fact, I, I recently had my own experience at a different gym, which I will not name, but um, (laughs) where I, I was immediately when working with one of the trainers there, he immediately asked me about what I eat and uh, what time I eat and made a comment and said that I was beautiful. And if I had just, if I would just lose some, some weight in my waist, mm-hmm. that I would be, so, I mean, these things were mm-hmm. just like, how mm-hmm. is this still happening? Yeah. Like, how, like, how is this still at all an acceptable train of thought, A, and B, something that you are not fired for immediately. And then I realized that like, this is still rampant, Mm -hmm. 100% in the fitness community. And like, we happen to live in Oakland, which is, you know, a very open-minded, radical place in itself. Although, of course, it has its many, many flaws. But we've created this space where that just doesn't happen. And so when it happens outside of it, it's like jarring. I'm like, oh, right. Mm-hmm. This is, but it's like a, a great reminder that this is why this gym was created because we're not selling that. We're, and, and also I think people, you know, like if we can pull away all the bullshit, the fitness industry solely relies on shaming people and making people feel guilty about who they are in their core. And I think that, if we as a community in the fitness industry can start rebuilding that and meeting people where they are and working with them in a genuine way for their well-being, their overall health and wealth, then we wouldn't have to deal with, with any of the, the fat shaming or the calorie obsessing or any of that. Because if we could just get back to what fitness does to people and can do for people, which is to bring mental and emotional health to them, then I think, you know, all of this would kind of be able to just be pushed, pushed out of it. And, and I think until more people are willing to see it in that lens, we are going to be continued to, to be bogged down by this other crap. But there are people like you and like me and other people that 
see through that and that want to actually genuinely help people. Um, and I'm hoping that that will start being a trend, you know, in, on a greater scale. So Lindsay, I know you can't see me right now, but I literally have my hands, I've had my hands up in the air for the last like 30 <laughs> seconds, just like church wave in agreement <laughs> with yeah. everything you said, because, oh, because it's, it is so true. And I think that it's going to take some, some kind of retraining on both the fitness industry side and also on the consumer side so that people totally. can stop allowing themselves to be shamed at the oh, same yeah. time and also start holding the industry accountable. And oh, yeah. I think when both of those things happen simultaneously, um, important changes will be made. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And I also loved what you said when you were talking about your class offerings at Radically Fit, how important representation is, um, because that is, that is huge and also could get into a lot of, um, a lot of conversations around access and privilege and like who fitness is for and who fitness is designed for so that when you walk into the yoga studios and you see the skinny white woman, which no shade to skinny white women, I have plenty who follow me, uh, but Right. That, that just that can't be it for everyone it's different yeah totally and that yeah I mean, is so important. yeah and i think like people i think also though people don't and yeah of course no shade just getting white women but also <laughs> like let's have an open and honest conversation about the space that they take up and the space that is not allowed for other bodies um, of course, I don't think that white women in general are like, um, I just want this, well, maybe some of them, but like, I just want this yoga studio to be about me and about my body. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, okay, then let's make a change and let's have you actively help make a change. Mm-hmm. And what does it mean to black and brown people? Yeah, like, what does it mean when they walk into a studio and they don't see anyone that looks like them? Mm-hmm. I, I know, you know what it feels like. It mm-hmm. feels it feels weird. It feels uncomfortable. It feels, it feels like another way of saying that we don't belong in mainstream society. It's another small way of just like making us feel bad about who we are. And like, that's just not something that we can allow to continue. And especially, especially because black and brown people need this the most. We have such limited access to all other forms of, of self care and health and you know doctors and all of this stuff that white people have access to um we need these doors to be opened and a a huge part of radically fits mission is to be able to serve every single person that wants to come which means we do not turn any way anyone away for lack of funds which means you can come here and not pay anything you can come here and pay twenty dollars if you are a person of privilege, you can come and pay $200 and subsidize somebody else's membership if they can't afford to come. And I think that is something also that really sets us apart, that, that there is really no financial barrier to coming to this gym. Now, mm-hmm. saying that, I also understand that sliding scale can make people feel uncomfortable. There's a lot of different... Um, layers to that and I understand that and I think just having the offering and talking to people about it like I've had a lot of people say oh but like I have a job so I don't feel like I can come for zero dollars and my response to anyone that feels a little uncomfortable is that that 
we're doing what we can on our end to ensure that when you do come for zero dollars, you're coming to build community. You're coming to strengthen the bonds within our community and go outside and strengthen the bonds with your community. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's just like uncomfortable for people to realize that there is a space that is made for them because mm-hmm. we're used to being like, okay, but where's the catch? And yeah. there's no catch. We're, we're, we're here really just for you. And I think, um, and, and the the ability that we have to do that is really great. And I'm, I'm, I'm really thankful that we've been able to do that so far. I think it's incredible that you're able to do that. And yeah. that, I mean, as we kind of briefly touched on, it, it really doing all you can with that access piece. Right. Um, because that's huge for so many people. And yeah. I'd actually kind of like to talk a little bit more about that. Um, for members of your community who who are part of underserved communities, especially when it comes to fitness and health, what are some of the biggest obstacles you see when it comes to their ability to practice self-care or to focus on their health? Oh man. Um, (laughs) It's a loaded question. (laughs) question. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I think it comes down to to thinking of fitness as a luxury instead of a necessity. Mm. Um, we, people of color, queer people, trans people, marginalized people, fat people, bigger bodied people, we are taught that like, we, we, we don't deserve access to everything. And for that reason, I feel like a lot of us look at fitness as something that's great and great for everyone. I'm like, yeah, sure. If I had that extra $40 or if I had that extra 30 minutes in my day, maybe I can make it work. But it's, it's like going to a spa. Like I can't, we're not going to, we're not going to spend that money on that when we have to feed ourselves or we have to get, take a bus somewhere. We have to, you know, get up three hours early to, to take public transportation to a job that we're barely making money in. Fitness is not something that people are taught uh, is a necessity in our community. And I think that that is kind of the biggest thing that gets in the way because you have to unlearn that and you have to mm-hmm. see value in your body that you have never been taught is there. And that's a huge undertaking emotionally and mentally and physically. And if you're already kind of in this space where you're not getting access, you're not being invited to these spaces, why would you why would you put yourself through that? Why would, you know what I mean? Like that's just an extra thing to have to work through. Mm -hmm. And so I think, I think that like people just reassessing the value of taking care of their body in a physical way. And again, what it can do for you mentally and emotionally is going to be the way that people of color not the way, but a way that people of color and queer and trans people and bigger bodied and fat people can kind of start to morph into, oh no, this is a necessity that I deserve and that I should be allowed to take advantage of. And I think once that kind of mindset is altered, there will be a greater kind of flow from those marginalized communities into safe spaces like this that are created for moving the body. Um, but I think that that is probably, the, in my experience, the number mm-hmm. one um, way that, that it's gotten in the way of people getting in the door. 
Absolutely. And I think with conversations around fitness, a lot of, um, I think a lot of like the conversations around barriers or why people may not do it is like, oh, because it's hard or, oh, because it's different or people don't want to get up. But I love that you talked about the kind of emotional and and mental obstacles as well of having to get up and assert yourself in a space that outside of of a place like Radically Fit may not feel welcoming or where you feel like you don't belong or it's not for you or like it's a luxury. And then on top of that, put yourself through something physically strenuous, but just the mental and emotional toll it takes to even get there and to get to that point is so important. Totally. And I want to make an offhand comment about the people always talking about, oh, I don't like to work out because it's hard. Mm -hmm. I actually have never, that has never been a real reason that I have found with anyone. There's Mm -hmm. a million things that are hard that we put ourselves through. It's not that it's hard, the Mm -hmm. the workout itself, like, yeah, sure, it's hard. You'll hate it for 45 minutes and then you're going to go on with your life. What's Mm -hmm. the hardest part is the other layering reasons for not being in the gym, which often come down to access, to feeling comfortable, to feeling safe, to feeling like you belong. Like those are the real reasons people don't work out. It's not because yeah. for 45 minutes, they're going to be like, ugh, this sucks. Like, yeah. no, because then people wouldn't go to work. Exactly. Like, that's, that's not a thing. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah. I could not agree more. Best <laughs> offhanded comment. <laughs> Make as many as you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so also at Radically Fit, you're also really intentional in stating that allies are a big part of the picture. Um, I'm curious, what do you look for in an ally and how can more people be true allies to this in the fitness space? Totally. Um, yeah, so I think I, I will say that while we do make a point to extend this space to allies, um, this space is not was not built for them. They're welcome to come. Um, we I won't turn anyone away at you know at the door. Mm-hmm. Um, but this space really was made for people of color, mm-hmm. trans people, bigger bodied and fat folks. So if you are a white cis um, queer or um, you know a, a, a a a skinnier bodied individual who happens to be white as well. Like these things, you just have to be accountable for the space you're taking up. And I Mm -hmm. think what we've done is set up a really good way of ensuring that um, even if somebody maybe isn't as aware, we've set aside these classes where, where the people that this gym was built for are for sure getting served first and and first and like most importantly. Mm -hmm. And I think, as far as like a good ally, what makes a good ally in my eyes, again, is being aware and taking accountability for A, what space you're taking up in these spaces, and B, what actions are you are you doing and taking that are directly going to impact in a healthy and positive way the other people that are coming to this space, the people of color and the trans people, et cetera. Like, what is it? that you're doing to ensure their safety. Um, And I would say for sure that the people that come to our gym that are quote unquote allies or that are white are really mindful about that and have done the best they can do in terms of what I've seen. Obviously there's room for improvement everywhere, 
but the best that they can do um, to ensure the safety of our other members before taking up space mm-hmm. on their own. Yes. I, you know, I, what I love about what you shared about that just now is just the accountability and being awareness or being aware of the space that you're taking up is that really that could apply to anything. Um, right. That could apply to any space that could apply to any scenario. Yeah. And it's something that I think is a really important takeaway that just, it's just a really important takeaway for anyone who asks, well, what can I do to help? Because I don't know about you, but I get DMs <laughs> and messages and comments asking that all the time that yeah. honestly I get really frustrated by. Of course, yeah. Because I'm like, figure it out yourself. Like, right. <laughs> stop asking well, the yeah. press how you can stop exactly. pressing them. Like, exactly. you know, it's whatever. Yeah, I, but I, I, I <laughs> yeah, but it it really can apply to anything and can apply to any space. And I I love that the the safety of the people that you're serving comes first and foremost. Yeah, I'm curious if you have ever gotten any pushback about that from people who maybe feel kind of entitled to be anywhere and everywhere? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I have not personally yet. Uh, I am sure the day will come. <laughs> um, however, I stand so firmly in this belief and in this community. When I say these things that sound like they might be uh, ostracizing to white cis hetero community members and community, I mean global people. I, it's just something that I feel so like very comfortable in. So mm-hmm. I, like I can, I could have this conversation with somebody and not feel like what I am doing is oppressive to white people. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so I don't mean to laugh. No, I mean, it's laughable. But you had the right reaction. <laughs> um, I think just knowing, yeah, just like knowing and, and, be, and really firmly believing that like, we, we, we get to own this space. Like not only do we get to start this space and open this space, we get to own this space. And if, if somebody can't see that they have the privilege to be in every other space and still feel that they need to take up this space, then I will gladly have that conversation with that person. And I, it will be very clear that the space is not for them. That is not a somebody who I would want in this community. And more importantly, somebody that I would allow to endanger the safety of any of our community members. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think not to sound harsh, but I think it would only be ostracizing to people who just don't get it and who right. have a lot of other work to do to get to that point. Totally. And, those, and, and, and the other thing, too, is like I feel like our message is pretty clear. <laughs> I'm sure people have come to our website and thought, like, oh, this sounds like it could be a cool gym. And then probably self-selected, which is great because that's a great first step to see that like this isn't for them and that they can go to 99.9% of all the other gyms in this city. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I also on a more personal note um, would love to kind of talk about your forms of self-care, especially you run a very service-oriented business that is very much about helping others kind of find their sense of self-care, their sense of well-being. Um, that is, it's hard, it's challenging, and 
what do you do to make sure that you're taking care of Lindsay? Great question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I will start off by saying uh, that this this year has been probably one of the hardest years of my life. Starting a business is, as you know, and anyone that is listening to this that hasn't started a business, whatever you think you know about starting a business, it's five times as hard. <laughs> um, and, and running a business, especially within the first couple of years, is just, it takes a tremendous toll. I, like I told you at the beginning of our phone call, I've been, every time I've been trying to get on this podcast, I keep getting <laughs> sick or like something happens. So my body is physically run down. It's just, it's, a, it's just, I <clears throat> am, I'm getting sick on and off. I've been on, on and off sick for probably the past like three months. And, um, you know, I, there's also, I'm living my own life, my own personal life and yeah, serving people in this, in this way and expending the amount of emotional energy that it takes to spend is truly exhausting. Um, so for me, self-care has been on the back burner and that's something that I don't even like to say out loud <laughs> because I'm so pro self-care and I have been so good about it for so many years. Um, that, that it's definitely, it has slipped aside. Um, but when I do get the chance to do it or when I prioritize it, which is really what it comes down to for me, self-care always, um, as cliche as this will sound, always looks to me in the form of moving my body. So um, if I can work out like four times a week, I've had a very successful week. And that looks completely different from what it used to look like for me. I used to be able to work out you know, six times a week consistently for years. And now if I get four in, you know, I, I feel great. So moving my body, um, I can really vary, but at least an hour of moving my body. Um, reading is also super um, relaxing to me. And eating well, and by that I just mean feeding, <laughs> feeding my body so that I'm not like, oh my God, it's three o'clock and I haven't eaten. Um, and sleeping. Sleeping has become a huge, huge part of how I kind of can make sure that I'm staying on track uh, in terms of, of fueling my body. So I've been aiming to get a substantial amount of sleep every night, which, is, which has helped a lot. So unfortunately, those three things are not super fun sounding, but they're, they're where I'm at right now. So Yeah. And I love that you were honest in saying that you know, sometimes you, it's, it's hard to prioritize self-care as much as you would like or recommend because that's real. I think everyone has had seasons like that and and it happens. And I like, I like your self-care pieces because (laughs) not to rant, I think self-care has become a bit of a commodity, which many people listening to this podcast have had me, have heard me rant about before and that we forget about basic things like sleeping, like recharging, like moving your body. Like those are the fundamentals of self-care above yeah. and beyond like going to the spa every week it just right, exactly. <laughs> and like those things don't really matter if your basic needs aren't being met like exactly. they're fun and you can instagram it and you can tell your friends <laughs> you did that but like if your body isn't sleeping it's deteriorating really fast so mm-hmm. like that's the kind of self-care that at least for me like 
bottom line, like foundational self-care, which, you know, and like I also the other day was thinking about, um, you know, I was like, oh man, like I, I often will drift back to the days when I worked a really like nine to four job where I worked out like twice a day and I was training for a triathlon. I was, I thought it was like the best time of my life. And then I was like, you know, like, yeah, I'm not working out a substantial amount, but I, my body has, has seen me through years, years and years of exercising to an extreme and it's just not going to do it anymore. And like, that's, Mm -hmm. and I need to also be okay with that. And that's something that I've had to kind of sit with and, and work through and know that sure, well, I'm not working out six days a week for hours on end. I'm doing the best that I can do. And if the next couple of years look like that, then that's what it looks like. And, and I need to be grateful that my body is still moving the way it is moving and still as strong as it is. Um, and, and just having those check-ins with myself has also been really helpful. Totally. I'm so glad that you said that because, you know, fitness is not linear and yeah. <laughs> it's also, I mean, it's probably not healthy to like work out at that caliber for the rest of your life. And it's, you know, there's peaks and valleys of, of when we're more active and when we're moving just because we love moving without having, you know, a race or, or a goal and both things can be equally as beneficial. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I love that you said that. Well, Lindsay, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really enjoyed this conversation. I loved talking with you. I am so excited for people to hear this episode because I think I think that you just touched on so many important, important things that I know I needed to hear and that I think the audience will benefit from hearing as well. Um, So where can our audience find you? How can they keep in touch if they're in the Bay Area or visiting the Bay Area and want to check out Radically Fit? How do we keep in touch with you? Sweet. Great question. Um, (laughs) So you can follow us on Instagram under where our handle is Radically Fit Oakland. Uh, same with Facebook, Radically Fit Oakland. If you are in the Bay Area or uh, stopping through the Bay Area, we have um, any first class you want to try is free. So anyone can come and drop in to a class. Um, and really all you would need to do is just shoot me an email. My email is info at radicallyfitoakland.com. And um, I would get you signed up. So it's, it's all pretty easy and we'd love to meet everyone. Awesome. And we will have all of that information in the show notes as well. So Lindsay, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It was great to talk to you. And I am also equally excited to, to watch you grow and see what you are going to do for your community. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I'm excited too. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Good.